listener production. Hey, Benzion Siebert here with your afternoon briefing. Just before 8.30 this morning, Woolworths announced its CEO, Brad Banducci, is calling it. He's resigning after eight years in the top job. A lot of people, specifically his shareholders, would make the argument he's been pretty good at it. Woolworths profit margins have grown to almost $1 billion under his watch. But for plenty of others, watching their weekly grocery shop become less and less affordable and more and more expensive over the past year, they are not that happy with him. And then on the ABC's Four Corners program on Monday night, this happens. He retired 18 months ago. He's not... Okay, let's... Can we take that out? Is that okay? I should... I mean, he he is retired, but I I shouldn't have said that, Angus. Are are we going to leave it in there if we are? Well, I mean, we're on the record. You said it. I mean, you know, let's let's move on. But yeah, yeah, no, Um, I think I'm done, guys. Uh, You know, I I, I do this with good intent. You know, I don't do this with bad intent. You're walking out, really? No, no, no. Can we just talk to Brad for a second? Let me just just, have a minute. Just over 48 hours go by. And then this morning, Woolworths announces to the stock market that Banducci will be retiring in September to make way for the company's head of loyalty, Amanda Bardwell. But can a change of leadership stem the PR bleeding for this company? Which, if you take Coles and Qantas and Woolworths, is one of the companies that's seen its public support absolutely nosedive in the past six months. Tim Burrows is one of this country's top media and PR analysts and the author of the popular newsletter Unmade, and he's here to talk us through it. Tim, around 8.30 this morning, the news came out that Brad Banducci was resigning. Are you surprised? I was surprised that he resigned uh, because although he'd made a big misstep in recent days, it didn't quite feel like a resigning matter. If you if you think about other CEOs who've gone recently, like for instance, Alan Joyce from Qantas had to go a bit early when he became the story, or the CEO of Optus who had a couple of PR missteps before she had to go. So it was a bit of a surprise. Um, so I suspect there might also be a bit of a coincidence to that timing as well. Okay. Eight years is a long time to be a CEO. Is it really plausible that he just happens to be stepping down now a couple of days after this kind of train wreck moment in this interview? What strikes me is a logical time to make that sort of announcement that someone is going to step down in the future is the end of year financial results. It's when you talk to the market, you have an opportunity to talk about how the handover will work. So I suspect If that was the plan, what's actually happened since Monday are lots of panicked conversations on whether to put off the announcement or not. So my suspicion is that probably things were in train already, but of course it's now a really bad look because the headlines of this week absolutely are inextricably linked with today's announcement. So rather than getting to do that kind of lap of honour, which he kind of deserved because Woolworths certainly as a business, have performed very well, the criticisms criticisms being perhaps too well. But rather than that lap of honour, he now kind of uh, goes away with uh, slightly with his tail between his legs. What exactly was so damaging about this particular moment of this particular interview? It's, it's always a bad look when 
a CEO says something that which they shouldn't, which in this case was a you know a, a relatively minor stumble, in that he was critical of Rod Sim, the previous boss of the ACCC, and slightly denigrated him by saying, "Well, he's retired," and and that became a bit of a side issue. But then the kind of asking the journalist to take it out, put it off the record. I mean, that that's a kind of naive thing to do anyway, because for that sort of sit-down interview with somebody like the ABC, you are on the record, which suggests to a sort of lack of training, perhaps, for that sort of role. But the, I think the, the thing that was really damaging was the walkout, you know, the getting up from the chair and threatening to end it, which of course made for a great teaser for the show. So the Four Corners episode rated incredibly well as a result, but it also made sure that a whole bunch of people who didn't even watch the program saw that moment. And then I think the other thing which was just really damaging within the wider story was there was just that slightly threatening air where he was sort of suggesting, well, if we don't take it out, then maybe the the interview will end. It. And that moment in the interview really could, I think, be taken as a moment when the mask slipped a little bit. Why would someone take an interview like this? If you're the CEO of Woolworths or the CEO of Coles and Four Corners is clearly going to do a big expose on all the bad stuff that you and your industry are doing, why would you do the interview in the first place? For Coles and Woolworths, the opportunity is to put their side of the debate. And it is a complicated debate. And there are justifications that they choose to give around their pricing policies, how they treat suppliers, all of those things. So I imagine that the the, the thing that the corporate communications team would have been weighing up is, well, we have the opportunity for putting our spokespeople up and then we get to be part of the conversation. Or we can provide some sort of statement which will be quoted perhaps selectively, maybe at the end of the program with a little note saying, go online to read the whole statement. So they they clearly made the fine call that they stood a better chance of putting their side of things by putting forward a spokesperson. But of course, what you then need to do is make sure that your spokesperson is really well prepared for what it was a reasonable guess was going to be quite a confronting interview. Is it hard to train a CEO? for this kind of interview? I suspect that one of the challenges is CEOs, particularly of a big organisation like Woolworths, are not used to being told no or having their opinion abruptly challenged in that way that we saw the ABC journalist Angus Gwig do. Now, he was perfectly civil and perfectly polite, but he pushed back. And I think that's just the thing that the more influential and powerful somebody becomes, the less they experience that. So that's the piece of training that's really needed. You know, I'm, I'm sure there would be lots of work preparing the messages and preparing the lines and all of those things. But the one thing was what happens in a challenging interview. And, you know, the fact of the matter is in Australia, we probably don't actually have enough challenging interviews. So you should know that if you're going to put a journalist um, up against your CEO, and it's a well-trained journalist from the ABC who knows their material, then you better have them ready for what happens when they get pushed back. And in the end, I think it, it probably, you know, ironically was the right thing to do to put a spokesperson up. But of course, you just, you 
just have to be ready for that moment. So Amanda Bardwell is going to replace Brad Banducci in September. A lot of people are looking at this and seeing a classic example of the glass cliff, where a company only ever puts a woman into the top job when it's nearly impossible and the company's in like a huge crisis. What do you think her media strategy is going to be once she steps up? Is she going to be doing these kind of high-risk interviews or will she be going to ground? Look, I do suspect that this was genuinely a succession decision that was probably made before this PR car crash of an interview. But of course, something which you often see with a new CEO is they're not that sure-footed at first. You know, we've seen it um, with the transition to Vanessa Hudson at Qantas, for instance. You know, we're not seeing as much of her because, of course, it's a skill that develops over time. Yeah, I suspect that she will probably, just for that reason, have a slightly lower profile. You know, we'll see, um, I'm, I'm sure her kind of fronting, you know, the kind of the six monthly financial updates for the investment market and all of those sort of things with a chief financial officer sitting at the side, making sure that people don't get to tr- into trouble. Sometimes when there's one of those transitions, you see the uh, the chairman of the board wheeled out to sit next to the uh, CEO for the first few times. So that I think is something which is 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 part of the norm anyway i think in that case that would happen regardless of the, you know the massive faux pas this week do you think someone finding 200 dollar bill at the end of their checkout at the supermarket is going to care who the ceo of woolworths is I suspect more people learned who the CEO of Woolworths was this week than perhaps knew in the year advance because, you know, Brad Bandush didn't have a particularly high profile, certainly wasn't invisible. But no, I mean, to, 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 to the ordinary consumer who just looks at those prices and see they, goes up, they go up and looks at those so-called special ticket prices and remembers what those prices were three years ago and feels often I think quite cynical about those you know in, mm. the, in the end that's the thing that will matter is the price of the checkout not who's back at head office. How do we know how people feel about Colts and Woolworths because there's a narrative that in the past six months these companies have been some of the most hated in Australia but do normal people feel that way? Do we know? Yeah look one of the places that I tend to look to is Roy Morgan has for a long time done a sentiment tracker and they track both positive sentiment and negative sentiment and oddly depending how you ask the question gives different answers and there was an absolutely high point for the supermarkets towards the start of the pandemic when they were the ones who making sure that the shelves were stocked and all of those things despite the little battles over toilet paper and trust absolutely went through the roof since then, it's faded. The last set of consumer sentiment tracker I saw, saw they'd faded, but hadn't taken a massive hit. And the funny thing is, it's it's really only when you get into that sort of the more complexities and nuances of price gouging and working out where those margins really come from, that it takes something like that ABC uh, program to do, that it begins to come through to the public that, yeah, maybe there's actually questions they should ask about how well they're being treated by the supermarkets you know is it is it just natural inflation or is it price gouging and when that happens that's what tends to hit sentiment tim burrows thanks so much for your time always a pleasure 
Tim Burrows there. That's it for this afternoon's briefing. Sasha and the team will be back with your morning briefing at 6am, so make sure to check your feed. And if you haven't already, click follow so you never, ever, ever miss an episode of our show. Meanwhile, search The Briefing Podcast on Instagram and join our broadcast channel because we want to know what you think. We've got a poll up there right now asking, how do you feel about Woolworths now that the CEO has resigned? Does it change anything for you? We'll read out some of those answers in the morning episode. I'm Ben Siebert. Thanks for listening. Listening.